You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Hey, I am finally putting out episode 50. I've been looking forward to this episode, I think because the, the numbers, 5-0, just felt so big and so significant that I really wanted it to be a good one. And it's going to be a good one. It's going to be just me. And it's going to be me sharing a story about something I'm experiencing and maybe something I've been wrestling through for you know most of my life. I guess all of us trying to figure out how we make sense of this world. That's why this whole podcast exists. But years ago, I'll start by sharing this story. I used to make my own t-shirts. Some of you who knew me back in the day might remember how I would, but I wouldn't make them. That sounds like way more creative than I was, um, or way more crafty. I would go to like Michael's and buy a bunch of plain t-shirts, red, red, black, white, whatever. And then I'd get the iron on letters and I would make my own phrases. And in some way I was just, uh, putting this out on Facebook like a week or two ago, asking what would people put on their t-shirts? And it was fun to watch everyone's responses and hear some of the things that people put on there. But I remember I would love like doing kind of, I don't know, provocative statements, uh, kind of silly statements, you know, deeply theological statements. One of my, one of my favorite ones was um, circumcised heart. <laughs> Did you get the heebie-jeebies for a second? But yeah, circumcised heart because there's these uh, these scriptures uh, in the older and then the first testament, the old testament that talk about how you know the the Israelites um, were really proactive about showing their their sacrifice to God, their commitment by you know being being circumcised. You know the men, ouch had to do that as a sign of solidarity with God and allegiance and their holiness and that type of thing. But we have a new understanding of, you know, to follow God isn't just about what you do to your your flesh, but it's about what you do to your heart. And are you cut off in some way from the worldly thinking, the evil, the self-centeredness, narcissism that exists in our in our life? And is your is your heart more connected to the things of God than to the things of self. And so I, I love that circumcised heart. Another one uh, that I was thinking about just today, and that's kind of why I'm titling it um, We're Broken, was I would have, I had a shirt that said, I'm broken. And the letters were all undercase, undercase, lowercase, were all lowercase, but the O and the K in broken were capital and bold. And I really love that. I really love this idea. I know that the word broken is such a trendy word and we use it all the time, especially in our church circles. We're broken. And sometimes I don't like that word because I think understanding who we are in light of God's love, you know, perfect love drives out all fear. I think perfect love also makes us whole. We're not really broken uh, in the way we should understand ourselves, but in our humanness, in the fact that we do have flesh, blood, bone, that we do have things that don't work right. You know, like sometimes our bodies are just not whole in the fact that we're not fully healthy. We're, we're, we're aging, you know, we're, we're products of this world and, you know, systems that we exist in are broken as well. And case in point, this week, 
oh man, it was so frustrating. But it had a bigger impact on me. And here's what it was. I So uh, right now we don't have dental insurance um, because we... I took this, you know, new job and this new adventure in the past year. We kind of had to forsake some of the benefits, like literal benefits that we used to have with a, you know, full-time, safe, secure job. So we pay out of pocket for medical to have a the ability to go to Kaiser Hospital, which is our local, you know, hospital thing here. And that costs quite a lot of money. But we're like, you know what, let's just... Um, hold back on dental stuff and pay out of pocket when we can because, you know, I need to go to the dentist, you know, every six months, blah, blah, blah. Maybe we can stretch that out a little bit. But of course, our kids are in braces, two of them, and oh, so expensive. But for me, my challenge has been I've had teeth issues forever in a day. In fact, some of my kids have the same enamel issue that I do. And it's just such a bummer because it means our teeth don't form correctly or they're not, sorry, they're not as strong as they should be. So they chip really easy. I've had my bite be affected in numerous ways just because the, 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 when the teeth clamp on each other, they have, it's like having a, a pebble in your shoe. So if you chip a tooth here and there in the back, you know, in your, in your bite, in your gut bite line, it can affect the way that, you know, you, your bite sits and your bite rests, like having a, a pebble in your foot or in your shoe for a whole day, by the end of the day, you're kind of limping around and it's not formed right. So that's been a lot of my dental journey. And we have spent way too much money for me on crowns and root canals and that type of thing. Well, now, you know, I don't have dental insurance, but I'm unfortunately still having these issues. Oh, it's so frustrating. People say, your teeth look so great. And I'm like, well, first of all, they're crowns and uh, I spent a lot of money to get them. And the interesting thing is they don't always function all that great. I've got like big time sensitivity to hot and cold at times. Uh, I pretty much have like joint TMJ joint pain all the time. Um, I'm not comfortable. I'm like maybe uh, a one out of 10 or from one to 10, I'm usually at like a four or a five in my comfort, but I just deal with it. I've learned to just have to deal with it. And that's just an interesting part of my story, I think, that uh, God has been teaching me that, you know, that's just like some people just have something. Paul talks about this in Corinthians, that some of us just have this thorn. You know, it feels like it's a thorn in our side, a thorn in our flesh that we just have to deal with and live with. And as much as I've prayed about it going away, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And so I've had to walk in that. But that doesn't mean I'm not going through like crazy pain and I have to do something about it. So I'm trying to get some dental help and dental assistance because we don't have insurance. Um, you know, I've had numerous dentists give me free things, but then some people, some dentists will say, we just, we're kind of at the end of our ability to give. We don't even know what to do with you. So long story short, uh, I had a recommendation from a fellow person of faith who is a dentist who said, hey, I can't help you, but let me connect you to this group who help people like you like you being people who can't afford dental assistance and dental care. So I had to like fill out all this paperwork and have all these phone calls, which was super humbling because you're answering all these questions about what you make and what's your rent and what are your expenses and how, how about your dependents? And so it's like been months. I've had these conversations going on probably, you know, I've been out of my, uh, full-time secure job for over a year now. And so probably a good portion of this time I've been trying to figure out the next step. So I finally have an appointment uh, uh, this week. The week of July was on the 23rd, I believe, 23rd. 
And uh, they send me to a clinic in East Oakland, and they give me the address, and I immediately recognize the address because when I was doing my documentary on human trafficking, I met a woman who was kidnapped on this very street in which they were sending me. So I already knew the area, and I tried to keep an open mind because I didn't want to be judgmental about the space. Oakland gets a bad rap in certain areas, just like every city has a, you know, quote-unquote bad or rough-and-tough area. So I go to this clinic, and I had to drive an hour. I had to get up early because <clears throat> it was around rush hour. I got up early, said goodbye to my family. And I was supposed to go to my job because I'm now working with the church in Nevada, The Quest, which is about an hour from where we live. So I drive an hour to Oakland. I spend about an hour there waiting in line, dealing with uh, more paperwork, talking to receptionists. And this organization that was supposed to be there, that had sent me there, sorry, this organization that sent me there was supposed to be there to partner with me to be an advocate, I guess. And I'm also feeling super humbled because this is a clinic that serves people who are really down and out, people who live on food stamps, people who probably that night were sleeping around the corner. And so I'm sitting amongst people who I'm feeling as if like, I shouldn't be here. Like I, I have more access and privilege and uh, it, it was just oh, just tense. I felt tense. Like, what is happening? I hope this works. Then I started doubting the, the care. Like, could this clinic actually help me and care for me? So I'm sitting there, and first of all, the person didn't show up, the advocate, because um, I later I found out they were trying to help a woman get a mammogram who had had a growth on her breast and she was being denied care and all this kind of stuff. And this poor woman's telling me how she's trying to help all these people. And then she's feeling like she can't help me. And then she's feeling bad. She's saying, can you come back on Tuesday? Because I am really busy right now. I'm thinking I can't be back on Tuesday because I'm going to be out of the town, out of town on, on Tuesday. And then this is the, the kicker is they said it was supposed to be free. And the guy's like, that's going to be $200 for the consultation today. I'm like, I don't even have $200. I can't even go into the consultation. I thought this was supposed to be free. And they said, well, if the person was here, you know, that would be another story. But right now, this is how we do it. I'm thinking, now I have, I'm working, you know, kind of three jobs at this point. Um, non, my nonprofit, Brave Maker, The Quest, as a co-pastor part-time, and then I'm doing freelance film production, you know, doing gigs for people who need videos. And I'm going, I can't believe that this clinic that's set out here in East Oakland is is probably like many other people having to turn people away who can't afford it because they don't even have one job. And here I am with like three different jobs going, I can't even afford to pay for this right now. So I left, um, and I got in my car, I had I messaged Wendy, and I was just like, I felt like so numb. I was like, I want to cry, but I can't cry, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I don't know what. It just felt so hopeless. So I had another hour to drive to Nevada, and just played a bunch of songs, song after song, songs that would make me focus on, on Jesus, think about hope, and... As I'm driving, I was just thinking about the reality of the broken systems in our world, that we live in a world that leans to injustice. And I am not someone who is often in a place of marginalization, and I recognize that. Uh, um, doesn't mean my life isn't hard, um, but my life will never be hard because of you know, my gender or my sexuality or 
my skin color. And it made me so awake to the fact that people who don't have control over those areas of their life have been suppressed and marginalized and set aside. And their life has been complicated and politicized way more than mine. But I just got a small little taste of it. So at the end of the day, uh, my situation it hasn't changed, and I don't know when it will, but it just gave me a greater appreciation for the need to seek justice on behalf of other people because I know what it feels like. And so I'm taking in like anything you know this week, uh, like a meme, <laughs> a meme that said, if you're not angry, you're not listening, that there's so much in the world that is not fair for people, for the immigrant, for the refugee, for the LGBTQ person, for the woman, for the woman who's not believed and the woman who is set aside, for the person of color who has to continually fight against the, the need to um, def combat racism, the blatant and the subtle. And I'm just here for this 50th podcast to remind us that our work is not done. There's so much work that we get to do. And just by uh, listening to a podcast like this or having a conversation with someone or sharing something with grace on our social media, we can slowly advance this conversation forward. We can help other people, whether it's people who deal with mental health or people who deal with um, addiction or someone who's just not able to make ends meet because for whatever reason, they don't have the means to get a job to pay for their everyday you know, rent and utilities. This is, this is the world we live in. And that could be, gosh, super depressing, right? And believe me, I've had my fair share of just feeling like I'm sunk and I'm sinking in a, a space of despair. But renewing my mind, and basically this means telling myself that God is real and God is good and God is around and God is present and God is moving and God is changing and God is showing us that we have a part of the story, that we can advance the story forward. And if it means for me that I don't ever have the healing and the comfort that I want, but that somehow I'm able to use this as a thorn or as a motivation, a nudge for me to keep pressing forward, then I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, my co-pastor Matt in, the, in Nevada at The Quest, we are going to be doing this series of speaking on Sundays in the next uh, in the fall about justice and looking at how the prophets in the First Testament, uh, by the way, I've been using that because someone else gave me this uh, understanding of how to look at the Bible that sometimes calling it the Old Testament sort of denies that uh, the, the validity denies its existence or kind of maybe brushes it aside instead of looking at it. It's part of our heritage. It's part of our story of scripture. Uh, even though we understand life in such a different context and culture today in 2019, but that story, that testament is still a part of how we understand Jesus and how we, even we reject some of those things, obviously those laws, the treatment of women, how people looked at things of marriage and stuff like that. We reject some of that stuff, but it's still a, the, one of the first ways that we understand who we are as human beings. So we're looking at prophets and how the prophets were the people who stood up and illuminated 
the goodness, the truth of God, the justice of God, illuminated scripture, illuminated what God seemed to be doing in that time. So I just thought I'd read some scripture for us, and I'm thinking about what it looks like to be a person who stands up against the brokenness of the world and says, you know what, we are capital OK, capital OK, even though the world is lowercase broken, we are capital OK. This is from, and I'll try to contextualize it for us. This is from Isaiah chapter 58. So shout with a voice of a trumpet blast, shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people they're going astray. They act so pious. They come to a temple every day and they seem to be delighted to learn about me. They act like they're righteous, that they would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. They say, we fasted before you. Aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves and you haven't even noticed it. Well, I tell you why I respond. It's because you're fasting to please yourself. Now, fasting, I'll take a little side note here. Fasting is a way that people would worship. People would go without daily things, needs, necessities, water, food, uh, rituals, in order to use that as a way to show honor to God or to get God to move and act in some way. So um, Isaiah here is saying that they were doing that in a selfish way. They were focusing their acts of worship on themselves. I tell you, because you fast to please yourselves. Even when you fast, you are oppressing your workers. What good is fasting if you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting, and I'll interplay here, worship, or maybe this kind of living, will never get you anywhere with me. Humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance. Sorry, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads, like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. But is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. I want you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Now remember, slavery was condoned in this time, right? So here's a call to undo slavery. I love it. <clears throat> Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to those who are without homes. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Interesting here. I've been thinking a lot about that word salvation. Uh, sorry, I keep taking an aside here, but I'll stop here at Isaiah um, 58, 8. Sometimes uh, I look back in the past and recognize that the word salvation and being saved was such a churchy thing. I think that a lot of times was used in a fear-based preaching that you need to be saved or else you will go to hell. And saved was meaning you were saved from hell. You were saved from, from evil by coming into the kingdom of light, by saying yes to Jesus, or other ways people might say it, like by asking Jesus into your heart. And I'm coming to look at salvation in different ways lately, that salvation is, is one who is in the saving of God, that is being saved by God, and not from a, an eternity of hell, which that's sure something we can talk about, but it's really like this 
presence or this ongoing idea or understanding that we can be saved from ourself. We can be saved from false ways of living. We can be saved from the way that we are so prone to let others define who we are. We can be saved from having to people please. We can be saved from having to get it all right. Like that is actually part of what I, uh, this past year, have been recognizing. I've I can be okay with not having the answers. I can live in the mystery. So that's just how I'm understanding things lately. It doesn't mean it's right. I could be totally wrong, but I'm just sharing some of the things I'm thinking. So your salvation or your understanding of goodness and of how God has enveloped you will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of God will protect you from behind. Now, of course, some of this is poetic language. It doesn't mean that this person when we start seeking justice, that we will never experience um, harm. It's just this poetic understanding of being with God means that God will call. When we call to God, he answers. He says, yes, I am. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. That's a big one right there. I see so much of that happening in the culture of the church, pointing fingers, right? Instead, feed the hungry, help those who are in trouble. Basically, Isaiah saying, hey, people of God, focus on helping people, focus on doing good. Then your light will shine from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden. Oh, I love that. Think of, think about that for yourself. You will be like a well watered garden like an ever-flowing spring some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities oh i like that one then you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes i want to get that as a tattoo a rebuilder of walls by the way i just got a a new tattoo y'all was my uh, wife's birthday present to me so i have a palm branch on my right arm which I'm very excited about, which goes back to, again, another understanding of worship, Palm Sunday. We should talk about that sometime because that's cool. But I digress. Don't pursue your own interests, but delight in the Lord. Honor God in everything you do and don't allow your own desire. Don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Let the Lord be your delight. It will give you great honor and you will be satisfied with an inheritance in the Lord. So that's Isaiah 58. Check that out. That's a passage that I remember when I was doing ministry to people who were living on the street down and out. That was really significant. And that came to me today. Just a reminder that this is an invitation that we all have. So easy to focus on ourselves. uh, So easy to focus on the fact that the world is broken. Systems are broken. That we can be broken, but... We're going to be okay. Capital O-K. That's all I got for now. Happy 50th episode, Canolios. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Happy summer to you or whatever you listen to this. Uh, make sure you check out the Brave Maker website. We have just released our September 12th film event, which is a suicide prevention experience in Redwood City at the Fox Theater. We're also bringing it to Novato on September 19th, which is a Thursday night. And then I have another film called For They Know, Not What They Do, an amazing film 
on understanding the LGBTQ community, especially those in the trans community and families of faith and how they raise kids in spaces like that. I saw it at a film festival and I connected with the filmmaker who lives in Berlin and he's going to be coming in to be with us for two nights, one in Nevada on Tuesday, October 15th and one in Redwood City on Wednesday, October 16th. This is wild. This is wild that now because of my connection with the quest, I'll be able to have filmmakers have screenings two times in a row when they come to town. So cool. I love it. Hey, thanks again. God loves you as you continue to figure out this life. I'd love to hear your feedback, like, and subscribe and uh, share this with a friend. And if we can do things, um, other have conversations to help you or do things any differently to improve, always open to hear that too. Thanks for listening. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.